We are privileged, we are blessed, we are excited today to have a visit from our pastor in Rochester, Candace Jensen. Uh, give her a, yeah, give her a hand. And we believe that the Lord has given her a timely word for the congregation of the Father's house, and so take it away, Candace. Well, thank you, Pastor Peter. I'm happy to be here. Happy New Year, everyone. I can't believe that it's 2020. And um, one thing we know for sure is that 2020, we're going to have an entire year of bad puns about vision. I can see it clearly. But... <laughs> You know, worship was so good this morning, and it was so cool for me to be here with you, and um, I, I hope, was Dale on a trumpet, or what was Dale on? Trombone, there we go. Uh, now, you, now I lost all of you, but that's okay. But I remember being in a young person, meeting in the high school, with the blue mats and the uncomfy plastic chairs, and seeing Dale doing playing the trombone and thinking it was so cool. And what else is cool is that I remember sitting in the same section as Pastor Rick and, and Pastor Liz. And yeah, right? And so here I'm a teenager. They're, they're, fam they're not pastors of the church yet. And then Dale's playing the trombone. And here we are today in the cultural center, Pastor Rick is playing piano, I'm preaching, and Dale's still playing the trombone. Like, that's so cool. But if you, I don't think, if you told me then that I'd be up here preaching, I would not expect that, but here we are. Um, so you don't know me very well, so I thought I would get, we'll get to know each other a little bit. I'm a huge fan of reading. I thoroughly enjoy a good story. I, I really enjoy reading a good book and then watching the movie. Now, who's with me? Who's, who's a fan of, of reading books and then watching the movie on that book? Who just skips the book and watches the movie? You can all be friends with my husband, but... So my almost eight-year-old son, he thinks he's too old to read picture books, so Clayton and I decided we would start reading chapter books to him. So our first book we read to him was Stuart Little. We finished it, and then we rented the movie, and I'll just say it didn't go over like I thought it would, because Margolo is not in the first movie, okay? And Caleb was absolutely disgusted that the, the movie never followed the book. And I'm talking that he brought it up multiple times, okay? This is an eight-year-old trying to process how could they do this? And it, it was even to the point where he was reading Karate Kid, and I was like, oh, you know, they made a movie on that book too. And he's like, well, I'm not watching it because it's gonna be nothing like this book. But have you ever been there, just extremely disappointed <laughs> after finishing a great book only to see that they ruined the story in the movie? A good book just sets you up for great expectations. And this morning, I want to talk about expectations. We all have them. My son has them for movies, apparently. But we all have them. Expectations for the year, expectations for ourselves, for our family, for our children, for our spouses, even just expectations for our lives. Now, an expectation is a strong belief that something will happen. Now, personally, I set lots of expectations, expectations on myself, my children, my plans, and sometimes setting expectations is a good thing. It helps you set goals and push yourself. 
But setting expectations can also lead to disappointment and heartache, especially when those expectations are unrealistic. Sometimes I expect to get too much done in a day, and at the end of it, I'm just disappointed and frustrated that I didn't get it all done. Or I envision a certain day, maybe shopping with no kids, to go a certain way, and then when it doesn't go, I'm just disappointed. Or I take my kids shopping, and I expect them to not act like the five- and seven-year-old they are. Then we're all mad and frustrated. Or poor Clayton, I expected a, a birthday card one year. I don't know why. We never give cards to each other. But this one year, I expected him to give me a card, and he didn't, and I was disappointed and mad. Or ladies, we expect flowers or nice appreciation gifts every now and then, and then it doesn't happen, and then we're disappointed. Here's some quotes on uh, expectations. The secret to happiness is low expectations. <laughs> William Shakespeare said, expectation is the root of all heartache. Or no expectations, no disappointments. So do you have any expectations on your life right now? Maybe you expect to get that job promotion, or maybe you expect your children to be all-stars when it comes to sports or academics, or maybe you're ex you expect your children to act like little angels all the time, or maybe you're expecting your spouse to take the garbage out when you get home, or maybe you're expecting the weather to cooperate with your plans. Just where do you have expectations in your life right now? Perhaps it's on God. Sometimes we place expectations on him. We expect him to answer our prayers in a certain way. We expect him to provide for us in a certain way. Or we expect him to respond to our faithfulness or our right behavior a certain way. Because I did A, God will do B. And then, when God doesn't answer our prayers or act the way that we had played out in our mind, our faith is shaken. We go through a crisis of faith. Does God love me? Where is God in the midst of this? I didn't think this would happen or this kind of stuff shouldn't be happening to people like me. I don't deserve this. One expectation I think that especially us North Americans have is that we believe that because we follow God, everything should work out for us, that life should be fair, that we shouldn't have to go through too much heartache or frustration because of our faithfulness or because of our heart and love for God. And one of the, like, if you ask people, and one of the main reasons people don't believe in God is because bad things happen. They think that if there was a God, then they, they, they expect nothing bad or evil should happen. But of course, we know that they don't realize that that bad and evil things happen because we live in a broken and cursed world. It's because of us. It's because of sin. But the truth is, we are not God. To expect that God would move or work in a way that our pop can-sized brain can understand would be belittling God of who he is. Isaiah 55.8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. Evelyn Underhill said, if God were small enough to be understood, he wouldn't be big enough to be worshipped. You may know all too well that sometimes God does things that we wouldn't do if we were God. That sometimes God's way of doing things doesn't make sense to us. 
Sometimes we face disappointment and pain because we face the unexpected. God moves in unexpected ways. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> we need to understand that when we place God in a box and expect him to move or answer our prayers in a certain way, we're serving a God that we created, a God of our own projection instead of the one true God, the creator of the universe. Um, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Elliot, this is um, wife to one of the five missionaries that was ki killed in the Amazon in the 1950s. This is what she said. I dethrone him in my heart if I demand that he act in ways that satisfy my idea of justice. So this morning I want to talk about experiencing the unexpected and trusting God through it all. Now, the unexpected can come in all, so all sorts of shapes and sizes. It can be small things like spilled milk or a finger slammed in the car door or the cows getting out or getting in a vehicle with an empty tank of gas or the unexpected vi visitor or a canceled appointment or getting the flu or sewer backup or basement flooding or a sprained ankle or it can be big things as well. It can be a loved one getting sick or an accident. The unexpected are things that happen that we just never plan to happen. And this morning, I want you to see that even though you may have to sometimes walk through the unexpected, you can trust God through it all. So let's pray, and then we're going to get into the word this morning. God, I am so thankful for this opportunity that I have just to share your word with your people. And God, I can't do this, but you can. And I thank you that you are alive and that you, uh, your word is alive and it can speak to us. And so, Lord, I pray that it would do just that this morning. I pray that you would just give us all hearts to receive and to respond to the message that you have for us, Lord. God, where there needs to be conviction, I pray that you would convict. Where there needs to be encouragement, joy, peace, I pray that you would bring it. I pray that you would just open up our eyes in wonder to receive what you have for us this morning, God. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to look at two biblical, ex biblical examples of when God did not do what people expected him to do. So first we're going to turn um, to John 11. We're going to read a lot of scriptures, so read your Bibles with me or read up there. So John 11, 1, we're going to read to 44. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he, he was two more days. And then he said to the disciples, let's go back to Judea. Let's go to verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. 
Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who came into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and, he, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at a place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come al who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid them, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved them. Him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was at a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time there is a dead, bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe in God, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out with his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I hope you, you're still with me here. But so this is the story of Lazarus being hours away from death. Mary and Martha are desperate, so they reach out to Jesus. So they even point out, the one you love is sick. So they expected him to come right away. Because A, God will do B. They make sure to point out the one you love is sick. They expected him to come and heal him. But that's not what Jesus did. He stayed another two days. Then when finally Jesus does show up, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days already. Martha goes out to meet him and tells him that if he would have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And Mary says the same thing. I mean, she's a little bit more dramatic. She falls at his feet and said, if you would have just been here, he wouldn't have died. Have you ever had the exact same conversation with God? God, if you just would have healed them, I wouldn't be feeling this. God, if you, wouldn't, if you just would have done A, I wouldn't be experiencing B. Mary and Martha are the, aren't the only ones who think that if Jesus would have just showed up, he could have stopped Lazarus from dying. Once everyone sees how deeply moved and greatly troubled Jesus is, after, all he, after he sees all the people hurting, they mumble. He opened the eyes of the blind. Can't he, couldn't have he stopped this guy from dying? Like, what's going on? They, they were confused. They didn't understand what was going on. But Jesus did not do what everyone expected him to do. 
The story goes on with them showing up at the grave. Martha's already told Jesus that whatever he asks will happen. And yet, when Jesus asks them to take the stone away, she feels compelled to warn him it's going to stink. He's been in there four days. So first, Mary and Martha expect Jesus to come when they, when he, when they call. He doesn't. Next, Martha expects that Jesus will be disturbed by the scent coming from a four-day dead body. She doesn't expect her brother to come out. But God doesn't always meet our expectations. We're going to read Matthew 26, 47 to 54. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man... Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. I mean, good thing I ain't Jesus, because I wouldn't be saying friend in this moment. The men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of, Je- one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the s- servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father, and he will act at once to put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? So this is the account of Jesus being arrested. After this, the disciples desert him, and they're, they're in shock. They, they didn't think this could happen. Peter proves this when he, when he takes matters into his own hands and tries to fight off the high priest, cutting off his ear. Um, even after the crucifixion, we see evidence that things did not go the way the disciples and everyone else who followed Jesus thought they would go. John 20 19 to 20. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Everyone was in shock. They just saw Jesus die. Here's the guy who came and started telling them about a new way to live and that he was God. They believed him. They saw him do tons of miracles and walk on water. They, they, they thought he was untouchable. They didn't think he'd actually die. And then they see the Romans nail him to a cross. They saw him whipped and beaded. They saw him get executed. He was declared dead. He's buried. And after that, the disciples, they, they're gathered in someone's house. The doors are locked. The windows are barred because they think that the people who came and got Jesus are going to come and get them. And then Jesus shows up in the room. God doesn't always meet our expectations. It even says in 1 Corinthians that if they really knew what Jesus was up to, they would have never crucified him. God pulled off the greatest con of all time. His followers, his enemies, the devil, no one was expecting what truly happened on the cross. 1 Corinthians 2.8 None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Martha and Mary were surprised. Peter was surprised. The disciples were surprised. God did the unexpected. In each of these accounts, we see God move in a way that no one expected. 
They experienced the unexpected. And I want you to catch this this morning, that in each of these accounts, we see the result of the unexpected was exactly what they needed. Lazarus rose again. He became a living testimony. This was the last straw for the Jewish leaders. As soon as this happened and they saw Lazarus rise again and they saw all the people who saw Lazarus rise again, that's when they put the plans into motion to arrest Jesus. Mary, Martha, and everyone else who was close to Lazarus saw Jesus' power over death. They saw a miracle. They experienced the joy of their beloved brother and friend coming back to them. Jesus was arrested, went through a trial, died, and rose again to make salvation possible. Jesus made it possible for the disciples and every believer to have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside them. That was, the res- that was all the result of the unexpected. God knows that sometimes we don't need what we're expecting to happen. Sometimes we need to go through the unexpected to get to where God wants us to be. One of my favorite authors is Lisa Turkhorst, and this is a quote she says, God loves me too much to answer my prayers at any other time than the right time and in any other way than the right way. In each of these accounts, we get to see the end result of the unexpected. We get to see why they had to go through the unexpected. Maybe that's not you this morning. Maybe you're still in the unexpected. You're still trying to figure out why you're going through what you're going through. I still don't understand why me and my family are having to walk through the reality of an autoimmune disorder with my daughter. I don't understand why sometimes children have to suffer and go through pain. And I may never understand until I get on the other side of glory, but in the meantime, God has called me to live in faith and trust him with everything. So what do you do when you're experiencing the unexpected? How do you learn to live with the unexpected? The first thing that we need to understand when it comes to living through the unexpected is what we can expect from God. We need to know what we can expect from God. And the first thing is that he is faithful. God does what he says he's going to do. He is faithful and he follows through on his promises. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast to to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Deuteronomy 7.9, know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. God is faithful. If he said he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Maybe you need to get into God's word and start claiming and reminding yourself of what some of his promises are. That way, when you do come up against the unexpected, you have the hope that God has your back. We can apply, and then you can apply God's truth to your situation. Get in his word, get in his promises, and have the faith that God is faithful. Maybe you're in the thick of it and you don't know what to do. Press into God's presence. Get into his word. He is with you right now and he wants to reveal himself to you. Abraham expected God to do what he said he was going to do and it was credited to him as righteousness, it says in Romans. It made him right with God. We're going to read Romans 4, 18 to 22. So Romans 4, 18 
to 22. Against all hope, everybody say hope. Good, you're still there. Okay. (laughs) Against all hope, Abraham in hope, say hope again, believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened, everybody say strengthened. Was, that was a weak strengthened. Everybody say strengthened. There we go. He uh, <laughs> strengthened in faith and gave glory to God. Here's the kicker. Being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. Are you fully persuaded that God is faithful, that God is able, that there is no one like our God, that who could stand against us when God is with us? Are you fully persuaded? No one expected Abraham and Sarah to have a child when they were, when their old bodies were as good as dead, but God doesn't always meet our expectations. He blows past our expectations. So what can you expect from God? That he is going to do what he said he's going to do and that he's faithful. The next thing that you can expect from God is that he is good. Now when you walk with your child through a sickness, there's some things that you really need to, you learn that you need to press into. And for me this last year, God's goodness was one of those things. And I'm at the point where I'm, I start talking about it and I'm, I get literally overwhelmed with the goodness of God. And then Michaela and Cole had to go get Clayton to learn that goodness of God song for their wedding and that just was the tip of the iceberg. But God is so good. In everything that I have been through, I have seen God moving and I have felt God's presence with me. With everything from getting a Christian nurse in the stallery to pray with us or to always getting to the hospital before things got too critical. That is only because of God. And at one point, I I prayed for joy. I said, God, I need some joy right now. (laughs) God gave me joy in the weirdest times. One Saturday night, we finished setting up at the church, and I was walking down the hallway to set the alarm, and I noticed the bulletin board. Every, the, kids, the bulletin boards get decorated with the kids' crafts. And here this elementary class took their faces and made themselves into gingerbread men. And I looked, and I just, like, I was crying. I was laughing so hard. It was so cute, and just, I was just so full of joy. And then at another time, they asked me to read through all these Christmas riddles. And someone almost had to take over because I couldn't even get through them. I was just so full of just 
joy, just God filled me with joy in the most unexpected places. God is so good and he will give you exactly what you need when you need it if you press in to him and his presence. He's here. He is moving. We just need to make ourselves aware of his presence. I don't even know how many times I've prayed, God, open up my eyes and wonder. Because God is moving mountains in our lives that we don't even see him moving. We need to press into him because he is good. Remember, we just read it. Jesus is weeping. Now, if you ever had to memorize Bible verses, this is John eleven thirty five is one you did for sure because it's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Now, I couldn't wrap my head around this because Jesus knew that Lazarus was going to rise again. So why is he crying? Why is he crying? He's crying because he sees how much pain everyone is in. He hurts because he sees the one he loves hurting. Jesus was moved with intense sorrow at the death of his friend and at the grief and suffering of his other friends. He's very much aware of the reality of suffering and death. This is proof that when we hurt, he hurts. Psalm 34:18 says that God is close to the brokenhearted. He still hurts when he looks at his children, even though he knows you're going to experience so much joy right away. But right now, he sees them, they're hurting, and he's there. God is good. Psalm 100 verse 5, for the Lord is good, his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. So what can you expect from God? You can expect that he is faithful, and you can expect that he is good. And you can trust him. God is the only source that you can put your trust in and not be disappointed. Because God is faithful to his word and he is good, that means that when we go through or face the unexpected, that we can trust him. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That means even when what you're going through doesn't make sense to you, trust him in all your ways of submit to him and he will make your path straight. Did you know that you don't have to be afraid to bring your, your frustration, your pain, your sorrow, your anger to God? Just read through the Psalms. The majority of them are laments. The authors are lamenting. They're grieving. They're crying. They're in pain. They're in sorrow. You can bring your questions, your fears, your whatever it is you're going through, you can bring it to God. I mean, if you can't bring it to God, then who can you bring it to? Trusting God means that you bring it all to him. Your fear, your anger, your frustrations, your sorrow, your grief, your joy, your thankfulness, whatever it is, you can bring it to God. Maybe right now you need to ask him for wisdom to understand or you need to ask him for more faith so that you can trust in him. Whatever you're feeling, bring it to God. You can trust that God is doing what is best, that God knows exactly what we need um, we've been talking a lot about Timothy Keller because we just finished that uh, God at Work. But here's another quote from him: God gives us what we God gives us what we would have asked for if we knew everything that He knows. That's how good God is. 
So what can you expect from God? That he is faithful and he'll follow through on his promises. That he is good and that you can trust him to know what's best for you. So learning how to live through the unexpected, you need to know what you can expect from God. And the last thing is you need to learn to count it all joy. James 1, 2-4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that, in, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Whenever we go through something that we didn't exactly anticipate going through, we have an opportunity to either grumble, complain, think, woe is me, just try and survive, or we can take it and count it as joy. Take it and use it for good and grow in the midst of it. I think in North America, uh, we have this, this one goal to be happy and content and secure. And if anything threatens that, look out. But as Christians, should that be our number one goal? Have a nice house, nice car, comfy retirement. If security and comfort were the number one goal for Christians, what does that mean for all those Christians who live on less than a dollar a day? Because there are Christians out there who live on less than a dollar a day. And Christians in war and torn countries, Christians who are in prison, Christians who are being persecuted for what they believe. If being a Christian is a promise of a good job, nice house, comfy retirement, then what, all those other Christians just missed it? They weren't, they didn't have enough faith? I, I think that's how we can just, just skip over the prosperity gospel. If you think that being guaranteed a nice house, a good job, brand name clothes is what it means to be a Christian, I think you need to reevaluate what it means to be provided for. God doesn't promise us big houses and cars and, and big fat retirements. He promises us peace, comfort, joy, and right standing with him in everything that we face. Our number one goal is not to be comfortable and secure with earthly possessions. As Christians, our number one goal should be advancing God's kingdom by being his representative here on earth. Our number one goal should be coming more like Christ. And when you start to look at the unexpected experiences that we go through as opportunities to grow closer to God and become closer to, Christ, to become more like Christ, that's when you can start counting it as joy. Now, maybe what you're going through isn't exactly what you had envisioned your life to look like, but you need to know that you can trust God. You only see what's right in front of you. God sees the big picture. Maybe your plan limited what God called you to do. Maybe God is saving you or your loved ones from a bigger heartache. We don't know. We, but we can trust that God knows what's best for us. Here's another quote from author Randy Elkhorn. The God of providence weaves millions of details into our lives and into all the lives around us. Maybe he doesn't have one big reason for bringing a certain person's success or failure or disease or accident into our lives. In fact, he may have hundreds of little reasons. In order to understand God's explanations, we would have to be God. 
Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according, according to his purpose. Now, I want you to understand that that doesn't mean you should just lay down and take whatever comes your way. That that doesn't mean that you shouldn't just, that you, 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 you don't pray to change your circumstances because praying opens the door for supernatural intervention, okay? God tells us to bring our needs and our requests to him. If you need healing, pray. If you, if you need, like, seek the healer. If you just seek the comforter, seek the provider. Just in the midst of praying, have faith and trust that you are in God's hands, that God can take whatever it is you're going through and turn it into something good, and that, that we may never see what that actually is on this side of eternity, but we can trust because God is faithful and he is good. No matter what we go through, we can count it all joy. Joy because it can bring us closer to God and shape you into becoming more and more like Christ. So I encourage you to take your disappointment, take your sorrow, take your grief, and press in to God. Count it as, count, and I want you to, don't misunderstand me. Counting it as joy doesn't mean that you just ignore what you're feeling. It means that you press into Jesus and let his joy be your strength. I'm going to ask the band um, to come up now. We go through this life placing expectations on ourselves and on other people in our lives, whether it be co-workers or kids, our spouses, our friends, parents. Sometimes we, we place expectations on our day-to-day -day life. And sometimes those expectations can set us up for disappointments. When our expectations aren't met, we can become easily disappointed or frustrated whether it be a, a flat tire, maybe your kids getting bullied at school, a job loss, um, a house not selling fast enough, or a loved one getting sick. We don't plan for those things to happen, but we can control how we're going to respond. And I want you to realize this morning that God is the only one that you can place unrealistic expectations on and never be disappointed. It's just a matter of placing the right expectations on him. You can expect the Holy Spirit to flow through you and give you patience, goodness, kindness, love. You need to face the unexpected. You can expect peace in the midst of the storm. You can expect joy in the midst of hardships. You can expect comfort in the midst of pain and grief. You can expect strength in the face of your enemies. You can expect him to meet all your needs. You just need to accept that what you think you may need may not be what God knows you need. So my challenge to you this morning is to trust God through the midst of life unexpected. Let's not fall into the trap of expecting God to act in a way that we would act if we were God. We need to trust that God is faithful, that he is good, and that we can trust that he knows what he's doing. And as we move to that place to tr of trust, we can begin to count it all as joy. We're going to take communion this morning. And you know, it was before Jesus went to the cross that he told his disciples to do this in remembrance of me. 
He told them what was going to happen, and yet we, we read about how they were still, unex- they went into shock because the unexpected happened. It just proves that sometimes God doesn't work in ways that we expect or understand, but at the end of the day, we can trust that God knows what he's doing and knows what's best for us. So as we take part in communion this morning, I want you to approach it as your way of saying, God, I remember. God, I am grateful. And God, I'm choosing to trust you. But before we take communion, I want to give everyone the opportunity to declare their belief in Jesus Christ. Before Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, he asked Martha a question. Jesus said to her, I'm a resurrection and a life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who who has come into this world. Do you believe this? If so, let's declare it right now together. It's up on your screen. Let's, re- let's respond with what she replied with. Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Oh, into the world. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that we can be here in your presence because you sent your son, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice and for your victory. Let us never forget or take your goodness or your grace for granted. We ask that you would forgive us for where we have forsaken you. Forgive us for where we took you off the throne. And God, we just ask right now that you would reveal yourself to us in the midst of the unexpected. God, I pray right now that you would just open up our eyes in wonder to see how you're moving in our lives. God, even though it may seem so dark and hopeless, I pray right now that you would come and you would be the light, Lord. Lord, I want to lift up anyone here who just feels like they don't even have the strength to go on. I pray that you would go and you would wrap your loving arms around them, Lord, that they would feel that you are close, God, and that even though it doesn't make sense right now, that you are still with them, God. I pray that you would surround them with your love and your comfort, God, and that you would just fill us with faith to trust in you, Lord. Give us more faith to trust you in the midst of it all, God. We thank you, Lord. In your name, amen. I want to encourage you right now to just take the time you need to prepare your hearts to receive communion. And then you you just come whenever you're ready. There's two tables here and two at the back. And this one right here is the gluten-free table if you need that. And please don't drink directly from the cup. Just dip your bread in the cup. So just prepare your hearts now and when you're ready, feel free to come.